0: Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Pixel Swim podcast. It's the podcast where we take a dive into design and technology and where they meet, plus other little tidbits I find interesting. My name is Steve Heinrich, the host. This will be released on Thursday, June 21st, 2018. Visit Pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links and etc. And uh, yeah, follow along if you want. So, yeah, let's dive in and start with our weekly notes and feedback and then go into a couple of main things I want to talk about. So uh, <laughs> it's just me again this this week, uh, obviously, and uh, I'm hoping next week to have a guest on probably that nobody's uh, nobody knows. So that's a good thing. So uh, look forward to that hopefully next week. So. All right. First, I just wanted to thank Frank Neathart uh, for responding to the last episode, episode twenty one about his first devices, because I last week I went into uh, the the first 10 devices of my history of my phone history. So uh, which included, you know, a few (laughs) regular dumb phones, whatever you want to call them. But Frank responded and he uh, noted that he goes back all the way to the Nokia 5130. And then he replaced that with the 6150 uh, Nokia. And he also liked the Ericsson phones because I had uh, one Ericsson phone that I used for quite a while when I first started cell phoning. So uh, before my major interest in cell phones. But yeah, he said he had a few different Ericsson's. And he also commented on the 1020 because I mentioned last week that Steve Litchfield sent over a Lumia 1020 in exchange for helping uh, him with his website. So he mentioned something that I'm actually kind of not dealing with, but notice about the Lumia 1020 is that the weight distribution on it is <laughs> pretty crazy. Cause the, the camera module is, I mean, if you've seen the 1020, the Lumia 1020, then you know, the camera module is a huge black disc protruding disc in the back of the device. So definitely throws off the in-hand balance a little bit. So it feels a little weird. I feel, you know, like if when I'm holding it with that there, you know, I'm touching the the disc, even though I know it's not the lens and I know I'm not messing with anything. It just feels a little strange to hold. So I'm probably going to get a case for it. Uh, I should get a case for it. I, um, I should say uh, just to kind of help balance that out a little bit. And Frank actually suggested a nice flip case for it. So I'm going to see, maybe look into getting that one. So uh, thank you, Frank, for reaching out and, and all of the the feedback and the observations. So speaking of the Lumia 1020, I actually was able to successfully network unlock it. And this was via the link that I provided in the past eBay for $2 unlock code. (laughs) And I got a little worried because I ordered last Friday and the code didn't come through (laughs) until until Tuesday. So they had mentioned in their description, you know, no more than 24 hours, be, please be patient and and <laughs> I was just about ready to, you know, file a, com- a complaint, file for a refund on that and it they pushed it through. And so I popped my SIM in the 1020 and entered the unlock code they provided and it is network unlocked now. So I posted about this on Twitter too, so you can check it out there, but yeah, it's working well on my uh, Mint SIM or Mint Mobile SIM card. So it even some 4G in there as well. So 4G band. So it's the AT&T version, but it's running on uh, Mint Mobile runs on T-Mobile's network. So it's now GSM unlocked for the United States, which I'm super excited about. I can, you know, once I get a case on this thing, I can finally kind of take it out and as my only device, you know, and just, uh, I want to get out and and take some photos and just really kind of see how the phone fares compared to the, you know, to devices that I've had in the past. So, I mean, I have the Lumia 950 and that's a, you know, a big contender next to it, but the 41 megapixel thing is, um, it's new to me. So I'm going to try that out and see how that goes. So, and actually speaking of my Lumia 950 this week, I actually finally <laughs> it's something I should have done a long time ago is I ordered a Mozo back for it. And if you don't know what the Mozo back for the Lumi 950, well, the Lumia 950 the back of the device comes off and so it, it you can remove it and get to the battery and the SIM card and the SD card so, you can buy these Mozo replacement backs to put on there in place of them, and they're uh, more premium quality than what came on the 950. Because the one, the 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 default or the factory plastic back for the 950 is kind of flimsy and and honestly feels it's feels cheap. Honestly, the whole phone kind of feels a little cheap uh, for what they were charging at the time. It's kind of a kind of surprising, but and especially for a Lumia device, but. So I have this mozo back. I ordered it on Amazon you in the U S here, but it looks like it's shipping from Germany. So I will be getting that soon. And it's actually, it's, it's a black trim, I guess you would say, or a black frame. And then it has a dark, darker wood laminate on the back, I guess, or just dark wood piece on the back. So it's, it's like a more premium feeling wood textured one. Now, if you've, if you've, Coming, if you're coming from AAWP or all about Windows Phone, you've seen Steve Litchfield review these on the site in the past, and so I, I didn't. I don't think he actually had this version of it, so I'll post a link to it in the show notes so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. So essentially, it's just a nice premium upgrade to the back because as a, up to this point, I've had a Tudia case on it. It's just a a black matte TPU case and it's been working fine, but it does make the phone, the phone already gets kind of warm. The 950 already gets kind of warm. So having that TPU case on there just makes it extra warm. (laughs) And so it doesn't have any room to breathe. So hopefully this, the Mozo case, I won't have to put any other case on top of it and I'll just use it as is. And it looks, you know, it looks kind of cool and nice. And, uh, it's a long overdue, honestly. I've It was still forty dollars, and I know the the prices on those have been up there like that for a while. So hopefully, it'll be nice. I can't really uh, say for sure yet, but we will see when that comes in. Uh, And like I said, it's coming from Germany, so it could be could be up to two weeks. So we will see. So that's all the phone talk, I guess, for right now, or at least my personal phone. I, I will talk a little bit about phones a little bit later, but uh, on a different kind of perspective on it. But this week, I actually created a portable application on Windows for the first time. (laughs) So here's, excuse me, here's the situation that I had is I have a family member who plays the who remember in Windows seven, there was a, a suite of games that came with it. There was like chess and all the different solitaire games. But uh, he liked to play the chess game on there, but when you upgrade to Windows 10, that is no longer there because I think they're trying to force you to go through the Microsoft Store for any sort of games like that, especially Microsoft-produced games. So uh, in the past, what I've done for him is I've downloaded... There was, there's somebody packaged all those games together into uh, an install file, and so you can install them on Windows 10, but what he was happening is the... PC was updating and basically wiping them out every single time, (laughs) or it still is. And so I would just reinstall them, you know, not at the time, uh, a little while ago, not realizing that it was the updates doing that. So to get around it this time, I decided to look into packaging a portable application. If if you don't know what a portable application is on Windows, essentially it's a self-sustained application uh that you can like say throw on a, a thumb drive and and basically you can open it up and run it off of the thumb drive without having to install anything so it's like a you know it's a standalone application and so i was looking into how to make this chess game into a portable application that way it would just stand alone and not be touched by any updates or need to be installed on the system that, therefore it wouldn't be removed And so it wasn't it wasn't super easy to do. There's actually a a few different ways that I found when I was looking into this to create a portable application, Uh, some free, some not, some using a lot of different tools, some using one tool. So one of the ways that I kind of thought would be was interesting and I thought would work and I tried. But uh, because my system has a lot of stuff on it, it didn't work as quickly. I didn't have the patience for it. But uh, essentially, I forget what the app is called, but. I'll put a link in the show notes when I find it. It essentially takes a system a system image capture. So I, I'm not sure exactly what it does. I think it goes through and checks everything that's installed. And you start the app, it does the image capture, and then you install you install the application with the with this portable application application running. <laughs> so and then it kind of records the installation. And then you when you're done installing the app, it will, you tell it that you're done, and then it will go and take another system image and find what was what is new. So essentially what you just installed, and then package that into a portable application. But uh, what I was finding was that it would take forever after I installed the application, and then it was going to Take another look and try and create the portable application, uh, and then I kind of discovered later that it's suggested that you do this in a virtual machine, uh, which is essentially just kind of a, a separate install of Windows on kind of its own thing. But that's the the worst uh, description of a virtual machine. But either way, you do that because it's essentially a a light uh, fresh install of Windows. That way, when it does the it relooks up the the program files and everything that's installed, it doesn't take so long. So essentially, I, it would just run and run and run and run on my main PC. And I just sent eventually just hit cancel and was trying to figure out another way. So I did figure out another way using WinRare, which is a pretty popular uh, archiving uh, application for Windows. And then the instructions that I found were also used in another application, but i figured out a way to do it with just WinRare. And so I got the chess game packaged up. And so I'm going to use TeamViewer to help log into their computer and and get this up and running. So essentially, it'll just be a package that sits that I'll put on their desktop. And they can just open that. And then I tested it. And it actually saves all of your game information because in the chess game it's you know it saves how many times you won how many times you lost etc at at different levels so uh, as long as it stays on that machine i think it loads it into loads that data into a temporary folder uh which stays i i guess stays i don't know I, <laughs> i'm not 100% sure how it works but it does and so yeah that's the first time i did that i thought it was going to be a lot easier going into it but uh, not super straightforward. Uh, I still couldn't really tell you why certain things work the way that they work, but um, yeah, so the, I've, I've learned how to do that, and hopefully in the future, I'll be able to use that, you know, for other different things. So, uh, it's something good to learn uh, and look into. I, I, I enjoyed, quote unquote, doing it, so uh, always enjoyed learning something new. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting. Idea, and I love the idea of a portable application because you can essentially, you know, create a or there are portable applications out there where you can have like a portable Apple Chrome, uh, Google Chrome browser, and you know have it on your your thumb drive and just stick it in any computer anywhere and you know any Windows PC and it'll just run and it'll have all of your, your data and stuff. So it's a, it's an interesting idea. I've always been interested in portable applications, never really had a use for one, but this seemed like a good idea because it won't touch the system and it'll just kind of sit there by itself and I won't have to worry about it disappearing uh, after another update. All right. So just to go over a few uh, stories here are kind of the main, my main talking points this week, the There was a I know I saw on Twitter a simple yet effective redesign of the VLC logo. And so VLC, which is uh, video player or media player for Windows, and it's a really great one because it just plays everything. So if this is something that you can install on your PC, uh, I think it's supported on Mac too. I'm not sure, though. And it will play any you know any file that you can think of, any media file, video or audio. And it has a lot of really great tools for it. But either way, that's what VLC is. Uh, somebody uh, cleverly redesigned their logo because if you know their logo, you if you know their logo, you know it right offhand. It's it's the orange cone with the white stripes on it. So they did uh, just a a clever little redesign of it. <laughs> it's not super amazing, but I thought it was interesting because at first it took me a second at first. I'll admit it took me a second at first to be like, wait, what? And then I realized uh that it was the the logo but from above. But it looks cool and it would be a great redesign if VLC ever wanted to kind of redo their their visual look a little bit. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can see that. Um yeah, just think of a cone, like a traffic cone, and then think of it from above. (laughs) And but more in an icon style, like a a, a logo slash icon format. So again, I'll put the link so you can see it. That's the one hard thing about, you know, podcasting about anything about design is you can't see it necessarily. So yeah, that's where the links come in. So pixelswim.com for the link to that. All right, so I also posted, I actually posted this on the phone show community on Google Plus uh, about Google Podcasts getting their own app in, a, in a, a full global launch. So this article that I initially found was on at the XDA Developers website, the their blog section. So essentially what this is, and it, you can download Google Podcasts as a standalone app, technic- well, not technically, but what seems like a standalone app, because Google podcasts, they've been developing this in Google, in the Google search app on Android. So essentially, treating the podcast search results with a little bit more importance. And so essentially, they've kind of built up the functionality in the Google search app to where you can actually subscribe to Google or to podcasts through the Google app. And now they've taken that functionality and kind of put it into its own app on Android. And it's a nice, super simple looking app. Uh, It it looks like a lot like the search results, podcast, uh, podcast search results in the Google search app. But now it's just kind of separated out and has a a few more features like variable playback and, you know, skip forward, skip back and, and all that stuff. So Uh, It looks nice. You know, like I said, it's just super simple design. So it's definitely lacking a lot of features. I don't see how it could be a contender with really any other uh, podcast app right now. But uh, interesting nonetheless, because Google's actually been investing a lot in podcasts and trying to increase traffic, you know, to, you know, and listenership uh, to podcasts. I think... And here's my theory is that they're trying to essentially collect audio data. <laughs> so Google collects their, that's what they do. That's one of their, the big things that they do. So they provide a search engine and the, but to make, and, and a bunch of products and services, but to make them better, they collect data to optimize all of those services that they're offering. So I can only imagine that they are collecting every piece of audio data they can. And podcasts are a huge, chunk of audio data that's available online and in, in natural speech and, and 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 stuff like that. And just how people speak, you know, so I, I imagine they're going to use that for their services. And who knows, you know, hopefully nothing evil. So we, we shall see. Don't be evil, Google. Don't be evil. So and I thought the other interesting thing in this XDA article, it talked of I'm just going to read the paragraph because I thought it was really interesting. It says Google isn't just investing in its podcast podcasting platform either but it wants to invest in the actual podcast industry as well the company is forming an advisory board in order to promote podcast production amongst everybody the company is also looking into potentially making audio equipment available for those who can't afford it you can download the application okay yeah so they're they're looking into creating equipment audio equipment and and for people who can't afford to you know start up a podcast and I, I thought that was such a strange idea, but and uh, not really sure how they're gonna vet the people who can't afford it, but uh, maybe some sort of like student discount, you know, student verification or something along those lines. But I'll have to look more into that into what that means. but uh, they're clearly jonesing for for audio and people to create audio. So uh, I thought that was really. I don't know if it's good. I guess it's good. I mean, because if you can't afford it and you want to start a podcast, then it's, you know, there's a there's a way in uh, through Google. So I'm curious that if there's going to be any sort of podcasting platform uh, that Google will provide in the future, which would be really great. I uh, use Zencaster, which is a website where you can record and and different thing, uh, things and record interviews and stuff for podcasts. And I think it'd be really interesting if Google actually provided that because and, and kind of packaged it in with all of their other services, uh, making it a lot easier to kind of keep everything in one place. And then Google themselves gets, you know, immediate access to all of that audio. And, you know, if they can create a podcasting platform, you know, uh, through Chrome or something of the like or even, you know, creating an Android app. Uh, that where you could use your your phone to record, you know, because you can connect a microphone to your your phone. So that's something interesting to to think about and kind of curious how far Google is going to be going with this. So okay, so the last thing that I want to go over this week, and I've kind of wanted to do this for a little while. And again, uh, earlier when I said I was done talking about phones and then said, oh, wait, I'm going to talk about phones later. This is (laughs) the section that I'm talking about. But it's, you know, from a little bit of a different perspective. And I kind of want to get my, you know, opinions out there as far as what I do. So what I do as far as phones. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over my favorite YouTube phone reviewers or channels and I'm going to do this in no particular order. Cause I don't, I was thinking about, it, I really don't have a favorite, you know, because not, there's nobody who really covers everything, you know, uh, there's one, one person on this list that g- comes close, but I thought I would go over it because, uh, potentially, you know, I mean, the thing is, is you may have, <laughs> you may have come across some of these, but if, when I'm looking for a device, I usually go to YouTube and, you know, see the hands on and all the features and stuff like that. So, I thought I would just share my favorite YouTubers for phone reviews. So and again, like I said, this is in no particular order. Uh, there's it's not my top ten, you know, number ten. So I actually only have eight on this list. So these are the ones that these are like my go to uh, if I'm looking into a device or even just watching pretty much any of the videos they come out with. So and some of them cross over into not just phones. But yeah, let's just get started. So the first on my list, uh, naturally, Uh, Being a part of the phone show community, I have to say Steve Litchfield is one of my top YouTube phone reviewers. So, And the reason that I think I was drawn to his reviews is because he goes over a lot of practical things uh, beyond specs and stuff like that. And (laughs) probably one of the number one reasons is because he's one of the few phone reviewers that every single time will review the speaker on the phone. And so to me, the speaker is a big thing, a big user experience thing for me. So I like to listen to podcasts through my phone. I I like to know if it's going to work well, uh, the speaker. So Steve does a great job. He, you know, they're usually around, you know, seven to 10 minutes long, uh, nice and easy to digest. And he just does a great thorough and accurate and very precise job with his videos. So Plus you get the, the, you know, many back years of of him using devices. I mean, reviewing phones for a long time. So you get his expertise behind everything. All right. So the next on the list is uh, Mobile Tech Review. And this is actually, her name is Lisa Gade, who runs, I believe she runs the channel there. Uh, she's the one in all the reviews. I've, I don't think I've ever actually seen anybody else review anything on Mobile, mobile Tech Review. But uh, she doesn't just do phones, but she does... A lot of, you know, she phones are a big chunk of what she does. She does laptops, too, I think, uh, and other technology. But she usually does a really thorough job, too. And she has a format that she follows, and it's usually pretty informative. Yeah, the, you know, the thing, uh, the reason why I go over the list, uh, I have so many on a list <laughs> of my favorite is because, Uh, Each reviewer kind of tends to touch on different things. And the thing about YouTube is you have to, in order to get a full picture of something, you generally have to go to multiple places. So uh, mobile tech review is definitely a place that I go quite a bit. So next on the list. And (laughs) okay, I say I didn't have any favorites. I would say he's my favorite person on YouTube uh, who just happens to review phones. And it's Flossie Carter. And if you haven't watched any of Flossie Carter's videos, I highly suggest watching them and and multiples of them. He doesn't just do phones, either primarily phones. He'll do some other tech on the side, Bluetooth speakers and stuff like that. But beyond honest and beyond thorough uh, is how I would describe it, because he get a you know, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, sit down for 30 or 40 minutes or an hour with Flossie. And he will go over a device and let you know the lowdown <laughs> on it. <laughs> so, he, and it just his personality is great. And he just, it's super honest. That's the thing that I get from his channel is that he, he just, he won't BS you about what he's holding in his hand. So if something's not good, he's going to tell you. And if it's something is good, he's going to tell you that too. So yeah, Flossie Carter, uh, Love it, you know, and it's just a super simple format. Um, you almost never see him. It's just his hands with the device, you know, and he's going through everything and, and everything, you know, going through all the, the major selling points of a device plus more. So definitely appreciate Flossie on YouTube. Okay, next on the list is Mr. Mobile, which is Michael Fisher. Uh, I've been following uh, Michael Fisher since I think he was with Pocket now, I believe before he kind of split off into his own Mr. Mobile channel. So I always thought he did a great job on reviewing things. Uh, Always intriguing and well produced. And uh, I wouldn't say he's the most thorough. Uh, He just, you know, he's producing a lot of videos. And so not the most super thorough reviews, but he does cover, you know, all the major things. A lot of times he's the first to release a video Uh, because he, you know, he has a popular YouTube channel. So he, you know, if he, he gets the hands on with the devices usually sooner, but yeah, definitely like Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile. uh, He's definitely, you can tell he's a phone geek and he's just a geek in general. So I really appreciate that. Not to say that any of these other people aren't (laughs) everybody on this list is a geek because they're reviewing phones. So, okay. Next on the list is Juan Bagnell. Uh, I think I forget who he was with originally, but he's got his own channel now. And he's another one that's just very honest and, and, and gives a nice review of things. And the other thing that he does uh, that kind of matches up with Steve Litchfield is he'll do separate videos for entire things, uh, features on a phone, probably my favorite type of video he does is the speaker test video, which is literally just the phone set up with a microphone. And it plays through a bunch of different audio. And so the first is he plays a portion of a film and then he plays a different type of music. And essentially the, the video, I, I don't know, it's, you know, maybe 10 minutes long, but it, it'll play. And so you get a really good idea of the speaker on a device. And so I really appreciate those videos, even though they're like, it's very specific, you know, but it's super, super helpful. And he just does a great job. Again, production value is awesome too. So really like his, those, those speaker videos. I've, I don't know how many, how much time I've wasted watching those and kind of, you know, listening with my headphones on trying to, you know, really get a feel, but it does, they help, you know, all of these people help kind of, you know, help me decide whether or not a device is going to, you know, work for me or whether or not I want to, you know, shell out the cash to, to get one. So yeah, Juan bagnell very good. Uh, another person on YouTube, uh, Erica Griffin, who is the <laughs> dubbed the technology nerd who likes to film stuff. So she's been around for a long time too, and she's been doing super thorough reviews on devices for a long time. I think the the thing that surprised me when I first started watching was the her screen calibration tests. And <laughs> I remember at the time being like, what the you know like I didn't know that that was a thing I should be looking out for. So I just I, and now, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about that, but not as in depth as she has in the past. So she does a great job, again, a thorough job and uh, well-produced videos. And she, you know, overall just a solid, you know, coverage of a device. So, you know, again, doesn't cover absolutely everything, but usually pretty thorough. Okay. So next is the Detroit Borg, who is Michael. Oh boy. Let's see. Michael Kukleka, Kukielka, Kukielka. (laughs) Not sure how to say his last name, but he's the Detroit Borg and he uh, reviews a lot of a lot of devices, too, and uh, sometimes even low to mid range. So really always appreciate. And usually when he does a device, he'll get in every model of it. (laughs) And so you can do a side by side right in the review. But uh, again, just a nice thorough review. And the thing about him, too, is he does a lot of software coverage on the devices. So like Android And even though you'll go over a lot of the same things, you know, for each device, because it's, you know, all these Android devices are similar as far as software, it's really nice to that he goes through all of those features and the settings and stuff like that, because that's what I, you know, that's another thing that you dig into when you're looking at a device is is there anything interesting in the settings you know that that would kind of sway me one way or another a feature that you know i think i would really use so yeah detroit borg does a great job and then the, the last on the list uh i don't know that he really reviews uh, he reviews a certain aspect of a phone and it's uh, jerry rig everything uh zach nelson is the guy's name and um if you've ever watched jerry rig everything you know <laughs> kind of already Uh, As soon as I I hear Jerry rig everything, then even just thinking about the name makes me think of metal scratching metal because he basically tries. He does uh, durability tests on devices, uh, which are actually really helpful too you know, um, to know how strong a device is. So he'll do bend tests and burn tests and scratch tests and just, you know, (laughs) just the sounds in those videos like nails on a chalkboard. So. But it's super helpful. And then after he kind of goes through a durability test to do another video of tearing down the device. Uh, so you can kind of see how difficult it is to get in to a device or to replace the battery or the screen. So and and just, you know, it, it's one of those like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. So I'm glad somebody out there is <laughs> wasting the money to to uh Basically destroy devices to see how durable they are, and putting them through certain tests. So, yeah, that's my my list. I'll put a list or a link to all of these these YouTube channels. Um, and chances are you've probably come across most of them, uh, but if you haven't, you know, there's you know there's going to be a link to to check them out. So, oh, I, uh, Flossie Carter also does case reviews too. Uh, I remember watching for the LG G6, he got in every single, I think in Scipio case and, and there was seriously like 10 or fifty, and he just reviewed every single one of them and it, just super useful, you know, really great. And, and I love, love that he goes over that. But anyway, yeah, that's my list. Uh, check those out. If you have any uh, YouTubers and, and I didn't put everybody that I watch on there, but if you have any suggestions for YouTubers that you really like that aren't on this list, just let me know. Go on Pixelswim.com. You can go on the show notes page. There's a comment section I'm on Twitter at Pixelswim. Uh, just, yeah, let me know because I'm always out looking for good reviewers. And these are just my my, my top ones, uh, like I said, in no particular order. So just thought I'd share those because I'm always interested in what people are watching too. So All right. So let's just wrap this up. Uh, This was episode 22 of the Pixel Swim podcast. So uh, go to Pixelswim.com for all the show notes and social links and and stuff like that. So I appreciate you tuning in. Like I said, next week, hopefully we'll get I'm going to get a guest on. Uh, It should be interesting. I'm really kind of looking forward to it. So I'm just a teaser there. (laughs) But if I can't, uh, that's fine, too. But I'm hoping that we can. So Thanks again for tuning in to the Pixel Swim podcast and uh, have a great night or afternoon or mid-morning or dusk till dawn, (laughs) whatever time it is when you're listening to this. So thanks again and Godspeed.